When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Buckle up, because Metro is bringing you the best deal in wireless. Switch to Metro and get your choice of two awesome free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens and tons of memory for all your pics and videos. So hurry into Metro and get your awesome free phones only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires port and of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 97. It's the Miscible Opinion brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. Thanks again for tuning into the show. You can tap in your show notes or in the app to subscribe to the show. We appreciate any reviews as well. You can find us on social media. We have a closed Facebook group, tbpod.link backslash group. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or for me at Hilton D13. And we're also at Instagram. Just type in the Barcelona Podcast and you'll find us. Of course, I'm Dan Hilton. You know that. Francis Tomas still away on vacation, an extended leave of absence. So I am joined by my co-host for the day, 
Victor Valencheck, or as you might know him, as the vice president of the Peña Blagrana Houston. And Victor, a wonderful time to bring you onto the show after the second annual Pan American Conference of Peñas gathering that just happened with the friendly for Barcelona and AS Roma on this U.S. preseason tour that we're seeing. And again, you were not only an attendee there, but being part of the Pena community down in Texas. Now, are, there are different ones. There is Dallas, there is Houston, but again, you are a representative for Houston, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about how that went down, the people you met, and some of the things that we can take from that meeting. Absolutely. Now, Dan, first off, uh, great to be here today, and uh, yeah, I just got back yesterday from what was a, a couple days of uh, very good events. I, I'd say simply, uh, you know, the the overall couple days was a big success in Dallas. Uh, there was a couple fold, like uh, a couple things that I could speak to. Number one, obviously, there's the fan experience, and then of course, being a leader of the Peñas, uh, this was the second uh, conference uh, that took place uh, two years in a row, as you know. Uh, I'm sure you know the U.S. Uh, tour took place last year, went through New York, D.C., and Miami, and this year, uh, you know, started in, in L.A., Dallas, and now, of course, while we're recording right now, they're in uh, the Bay Area getting ready for that particular match. Um, and really just a lot of great events, but from a, from a leader perspective, um, this has been really an interesting movement. There's obviously a lot of interest uh, from the club coming into the United States the last couple of years. I've been fortunate enough to be at both of these conferences. Um, I think we had somewhere around uh, close to 10 different um, uh, Pena's uh, leadership uh, present uh, in New York. And this time we had around five or so. Uh, that were present, but it was really a big opportunity for us to speak to uh, the leaders of our World Confederation and the Federation of Peñas. Um, they helped us uh, to address, you know, our opportunities, uh, help push us and give us a little direction, as well address any challenges. And ever since the last conference, um, all the leaders of the of Peñas and uh, through North and Central America have been on a, a WhatsApp thread, and we've been talking and chatting. So. We're all collectively on this movement forward to kind of help each other out. So uh, a lot of what we learned out of that was just really about how to continue to help each other out. A lot of the same work that we've been doing, uh, clearing up some uncertainties. You know, uh, what you know, what does it mean to uh, work with partners? What does it mean to work fi- from a financials perspective? And so again, just to have that access to these to the leaders within our confederation were, was really was a unique opportunity. A lot of the other parts of the world do, do not get this access, and so uh, we found that to be pretty special. And, of course, you know, you get some special treatment with that access uh, there. And um, so, uh, you know, we were all together for the match. We were all together for the conference before the event. So just a lot of good camaraderie and, again, like-minded, you know, being able to talk to other leaders who are doing the same thing so we're not just in our own bubble here trying to figure out how to make this happen. Yeah, social media has certainly brought everybody together for sure in the Barcelona community. It's American fans or fans in Europe, fans in Africa, fans in Asia. But that said, the the U.S. tour in particular is not only for bringing the Peñas together an opportunity for the U.S. fans to find some kind of common ground, but I've heard an argument that the preseason tour, when you look at the fact that Messi, Luis Suarez, PK, and none of the regular starters in TD Dembele are with the team, it does give an opportunity for some of the B players to showcase what they have, and we will talk about the actual team and the players in just a second for La Gran Pregunta, which is whose stock is changing in the preseason. But before we do get to that, there is this argument that obviously for Barcelona and all these brands in the ICC and all these big teams, 
that they've come over to the United States and it is more for marketability than it is even for the preseason and getting informed to start the year. Because again, when you look at the Barcelona players that aren't here, those are really going to be the, the spine of the team. That's obviously the spine of the team. And so not getting their season off on that foot, because if anything, the coaching staff and everyone else is over here in the United States trying to get that marketability project. And I don't know if you'd heard or had these conversations, but there is kind of a dichotomy between this tour being for the future because of marketability and particularly what it does for soccer and us here in the States, of course, putting those kind of names and that brand out there. And it really does pay off in the future for the club. In the same respect, though, you're not getting the same preseason that you'd like with Messi and Pique and Busquets and the like who are still in Barcelona. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's definitely agendas from the club perspective, whether it be, you know, this, uh, you know, FCB, Barcelona Femini, and their, you know, movement. Uh, they made their big announcement of their sponsor with Stanley. Um, they obviously are making a big move to bring a women's team to a uh, FCB women's team to the States. Um, and so that was another big part of this uh, that we're starting to see happen. Um, you see the, um, obviously, from their, you know, whether it's the FCB Innovation Technology and Sports Lab, uh, the, uh, kind of meetings that are happening in uh, Silicon Valley right now, that was a big thing. They did that last year, I think, in D.C. as well. So, I mean, they definitely have agendas from a club perspective, and they see obviously see the U.S. market as ripe uh, for many different things. But at the same time, for when it comes to the actual sport and the play, you know, you're going to have the fans have different opinions on whether or not, you know, this is worth my money yeah, uh, to spend on a bunch of B players. But if you're someone who listens to this pod, I have to believe you're paying attention and you're, you like to know about what's going on with our B players. It's a, to have that access to them and, and it, for just the love of, of, of the club and being able to go out there and celebrate with your fellow Kool-Aids is just uh, an amazing thing. And the opportunity, even if the ticket price is $100, uh, the total cost of going to Barcelona with a plane ticket is going to be a lot more. So uh, I, this is just an opportunity for a lot of people to, to get access to their to their club that I think they, that they love that they just normally might not be able to do. Yeah, very, very true. And I think with that, as we kind of begin discussing who you've seen so far in the preseason season, now, as, as we said, you saw them live in Dallas against Roma. They also played to that draw that was decided on as a, I guess, a quote-unquote win on penalties against Tottenham in that friendly. But the results don't truly matter. We're here to talk about the individual players and what's been happening with them as far as seeing their stock go up or gone down. That is La Grande Pagunta today. So basically, Victor, what I'll do is I'll say a player and you and I can do a little bit of banter back and forth, and I think we're going to agree on a lot of whether or not their stock went up, stayed the same, or went down, but the question will be, then, where do a lot of these players then fit in the roster for this coming season, as Ernesto Valverde has said that he wants to keep a smaller squad this year between 22 and 23 players, and there are certainly more floating around the squad right now, and it is a heavy squad still with a, a lot of departures to go, and even a player like Lucas Digne, who this week has gone to Everton, he was one of the ones not really expected because he was just the backup left back, and we'll talk about that in La Ronda. The first play we'll get to is the guy who has the captain's armband and the Catalonian himself in Sergi Roberto, whose role apparently seems to have shifted into the midfield. Maybe that could just be so Nelson Semedo is getting these starts in the preseason, but it seems like Sergi Roberto could be a midfielder now if the right-back position is seen as Nelson Semedo's alone, and he'll be getting the lion's share of the starts. 
I'm with you on that. I absolutely would um, um, would love to see Semedo kind of cement himself into that right back position to allow Sergio Roberto, who we all know is so versatile in what he's done. And it, he's, we saw it again. We saw it again, especially in Roma. He's, he was playing in that kind of Busquets role, and he was just like, wow. It just seemed like such a – what a fit, and, and at least for that match. You know, uh, his ability to distribute the ball and control the play – and it was just a pleasure. And again, it just—I don't think anybody was surprised, right? His ability to be able to play multiple positions and have that versatility. And um, I think uh, if we can push him up into the mid and uh, to be able to backfill Busquets, if possible, uh, I don't think anyone was really thinking of that until we saw that at Rome with the Roma match. Right, because we know that he's not the starter in the midfield at all. It's going to be a midfield three, it appears to be, of Coutinho, Rakitic, and Busquets. It's been the early ideas. But even when they play that four across, we've seen that Sergio Roberto did play as that right midfielder as well with even Andres Iniesta on the left, where, again, at times, and Paulinho was another one on that right or left side, that he played four center midfield, that being Valverde, across that four. Well, one of the guys that we'll move to next is one who is only known as a forward that got his start at Barcelona as a youth player. We saw that he did some impressive things in UEFA Youth League years ago. Had one season, helped Barcelona out a little bit, and then since then has become a little bit of a journeyman, but found his footing at Deportivo Alaves last season. That is Munir El Adadi. And it seems like his stock is up this preseason, and that being that he could garner a larger sum of money if he is transferred out. And the names that are being floated around if he leaves is the likes of Valencia or Sevilla. So that is a, a high-quality team in the Liga. And if he stays... He will be the backup to Luis Suarez, taking the place of Paco Alcacer that it seems like is all but out of the club, potentially to Watford on a two-year loan, or he could be going to another Premier League club for either a fee or for a long, a, a loan of more than one year. So it seems that Munir El Adadi has put his stock up and made himself the backup forward. Oh, I totally agree. I think uh, I'm with you. Stock up for uh, Munir. He's one of those uh, particular players that I wish would never have left, would have saved us 30-some million dollars. I'm sorry, Paco, but, you know, in hindsight, it's one of those players that you just wish could have kept Munir, shouldn't have signed Paco, but again, we are where we are at this point. Speaking of forwards, the next one we'll get to, and for AS Roma, this is a good name to bring up, and it's Malcolm. Now, you saw him in person getting the goal and being part of the build-up to the first goal that was scored eventually by Rafinha. And so far, Malcolm, the whole idea, and this is another question in La Ronda, but this whole idea that he's now replacing Dembele or anything, but it's a matter of the squad is deeper with Malcolm in it. I think his stock is up because he didn't look completely lost, and that was kind of the bar, that if he went out there for these preseason matches and looked completely out of his depth, where in Tottenham he came on late, so Valverde just let the match kind of have its identity before Malcolm was thrown on. But with Roma, he got the start, and he looked bright at the beginning, and he seemed to know what his job is. It's to go at defenders, and he does play more vertical, and he's a player that Barcelona, much like Dembele was, has not had it in a traditional role. But as we've argued many, many times, that even if you play a 4-3-3, Barcelona has to do what the rest of these big clubs in the world do, and that is change with the times. The more that their team can do in terms of beating opponents in different ways and that again being through speed and verticality which is something that they haven't really done in recent seasons it seems like Malcolm is a part of that so for me his stock 
I think has stayed the same because he did bang in multiple goals or double digit goals, should I say, for Bordeaux. And he was highly rated by a lot of clubs around the world to eventually make a move. So for me, I think he broke even that he wasn't a complete, he didn't look completely lost playing for Barcelona. But in the same respect, I think it is just preseason, so we temper those expectations. Absolutely. And I think going back to your comment about the fact that this, you know, the drama between Dembele is upset. I'm like, I don't believe that for a second, that he's concerned at this point. Uh, But when you look at both of the players, I looked at the Tottenham match, and he came in in the second half. They started him on on the left wing. But when he started, he started him on the right wing against Roma. So I looked at that, I was like, that's awesome, right? The fact that this guy can play in either of the wings comfortably, and we already know that Dembele can do the same thing. He can play right, he can play left. We may have seen more of him on the right, but again, the, that versatility between those two players uh, doesn't lock one in or where they're truly on top of each other and competing when you can move to them to either wing. So for me, I think it's going to be a great compliment having both of them, and uh, competition is always good. Well, here comes the puzzling one. I think we'll get the hardest done now. And that is Rafinha Alcantara, where I don't want to talk about Tiago. It seems like that's a wasted argument to have, wasting our breath on whether or not Tiago is going to come back to the club. But for the case of Rafinha, he's a player that could be playing for Barcelona this season. And he was a guy that's on the fringes. And even as it was tweeted by the Barcelona podcast, that Rafinha is a guy who is not necessarily going to break into the starting 11. He's not going to play as a starter in the big, big, important matches. But I think he's, as he showed in Inter last season, as he as he was able to stave off injury and get his career, we'll say, somewhat back on track, when Rafinha is healthy, he's probably better than just a bench option. And that is a conundrum with him. And that's why I think his stock, in terms of Barcelona, is up. But as a player, I think is even. Where there were worries that if he was sold on, that he wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to get more than $30 million for him. But I think if you can prove his health, which is impossible to do... He's a healthy player that's worth 40 to 50 and an unhealthy player that's worth somewhere between 25 and 30. All that said, the way he's clicking and the way that he truly was the best player against Roma, and that is saying a lot because it's just a preseason friendly, but Rafinha seems that he has played his way into Valverde's squad. And as far as midfield depth, you, would, you talk about a, a huge midfield addition being added, but with Coutinho, Rakitic, and Busquets already starting, you see Arthur, you see Rafinha, we'll see <coughs> Arturo Vidal, <coughs> we'll talk about that later, but when yeah. you talk about all those different options, why is there a need for this big, big midfield signing when you have your three starters, and then you have a guy like Rafinha who, and and we'll say Arturo Vidal, that you have five guys that really should be starters on every other team in the world. I, I, I don't understand the need for that big midfield signing. Um, I'm absolutely with you. I mean, I think we, we're just so heavy in the midfield. And the, with the players like, and again, Rafinha, is if, if, if preseason, if this tour is about trying to prove yourself, he's two for two, right? He's batting a thousand here out of these two matches. Uh, playing from the midfield, playing from the wing, uh, making some amazing plays and, and scoring goals. I mean, couldn't ask for a better showing in the first two matches. So uh, for him, you know, of course, like everybody else, when he went down and got that one knock, uh, I, you know, everybody just froze. Like, okay, please say he's not hurt. Please say he's not hurt. Uh, because you just, again, we all have that fear that uh, it could happen at any moment. So uh, we're, all, we're all, I think, in the same boat with him. But, again, very impressed to see him. And I, I want him to be here. I want him to be successful. He certainly has that versatility as well with 
I think it's seen as a knock against Roberto and Rafinha that they do play multiple positions and they aren't just locked in at one position in particular. But for the first guys coming off the bench, I don't think that's a problem. That when you have that kind of quality to be plugged in at multiple positions, it does wonders for your team. And those guys are, are key to that. Now, moving over to guys that don't necessarily play other positions and... Well, I'll do this twofold, and I'll mention both these, and we kind of sum it up as they were this partnership so far, and that is Clement Langlet, the new signing, and Marlon Santos, where we know that Marlon Santos will not be in the club by the end of the summer, but I think his stock has gone up in terms of being able to be traded, where when I know a lot of us would be lying if we say he, but we watched him a lot at Nice. Now, I can say I did watch him once or twice, and he didn't look completely assured. He's not really terrific in possession particularly enough to play at Barcelona. But I think Marlon Santos has so far proven, at least in these two preseason games, that he is good enough to play for a big side and that those rumors, with whether it's West Ham or another Premier League side, that he is quality enough for that. Um, and for me, I think his stock has gone up in terms of what he's worth. Now, Clement Langlet, I think his stock has basically stayed the same where he has not truly wowed anybody. But again, with Rafinha and Roberto, that same breath, PK and Umtiti are the starters. Langlet should be at least nipping on their heels to be a starter. And if one of them falls out of the form, he should be the guy. And I think Langlet has kind of shown that already. That, And I, I don't think it's just this preseason that we'll know whether or not his stock has gone up. It's that looking at what he did at Sevilla as a guy in his early 20s, he's clearly good enough to be a starter at Barcelona. And we're just going to have to see him develop. And with these preseasons, he's had to take on a leadership role. And do you find that we look at Roma, how that the entire dynamic of that match, of course, switched the minute Rafinha, Roberto, and Langlet came off the field? And I think that's just very telling about the leadership that Langlet does bring. Oh, yeah. I mean, Langlet, I mean, we're only, again, going based on a couple matches uh, for 45 minutes worth of time in there. During the time, I, I mean, I dissected and watched over and over again. I'm looking know what was he bringing and I mean I saw some really amazing things I saw I saw amazing 40 to 50 meter pass to move the two I think it was to Munira in the Tottenham match and I was like pinpoint it was perfect I was like that's nice all right so I was looking you know of course we all saw him get beat around the corner by you know uh, I think it was by Kluvert uh in there but I'm not going to blame him for that one even though yeah he was part of it there were four people four players that uh, messed up that play that brought that first Roma goal uh, that brought that to uh, I had four four players around it were were all at fault. But again, did he have did he have one knock there? Yeah, I'll give him one knock. But overall, his play was solid. I was happy with what I saw. Um, he just had that one little um, you know. I don't think there was any other issues. So and when we look at it, yeah, PK Umtiti, that's not changing. Linglet, uh, I see that as the definitely the future. And go figure, Barcelona's heavy in in uh, uh, center backs right now. Um, it, we still have to deal with Vermillion. We still have to, uh, you know, have. We still have. Um, we've got Marlin. We've got Linglet. We've got, you know, PK uh, and Umtiti. So it's a. Uh, it's usually not a problem that we're used to having. And maybe as a Freudian slip that you didn't mention Yuri Mina. I totally didn't mention Yuri Mina. I totally forgot about him. But, <laughs> uh, I think. I think ultimately that that looks like me. If you're following rumors, enough uh, information out there. It's just a matter of whether that deal's going to be closed with someone yeah we always know that those eu spots are important to note so at this time before we talk about arturo vidal let's actually go on the last one of the first teamers that we're going to mention here and that is arthur 
and you talk about stock going up. You were there. Can you just explain to me the buzz around Arthur now? It seems like he has gone straight from a new 21-year-old Brazilian signing to a guy that everyone has utmost faith in. And it's, it's, it's we live in an overreactive world and an overreactive culture, particularly with social media. So the minute Dembele touched the ball, people were against him. But in the case of Arthur, I think it seems like finally, and again, the overreactive part is not good, but it seems like Kool-Aids are going to give him every chance they can to succeed. And there is a desire to want him to succeed because of just the style he plays, the way he plays, and the familiar the f- familiarity that Kool-Aids have with the way that he moves the ball in possession, the way he turns on the ball, the way that he pushes forward. And he did have a pretty impressive goal against Tottenham as well, and that makes everybody feel warm and fuzzy as well. Oh, yeah. When you, when you score a goal like that, uh, just touch the ball and bam they knocked that one right in the corner it was yeah immediately people were sold i'm like all right sold uh of course it's way early it was the first preseason match but you couldn't ask for a better uh start to uh uh to to your showing with the club and then again the second match not you know i don't think he had as impressive as a run with uh in the roba match uh there was a lot of just um barcelona i don't know if it was by design that they didn't want to you know show too much uh, but they were just passing that ball back and forth the, pretty much the, the whole first half. So uh, I don't think we necessarily saw it. So, but if you're looking for the style and the passing, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, right now I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for a player like that, and uh, hopefully that just continues. Yeah, when you talk about the midfield, everyone says, again, pining for this big talent. Um, and there, there is a happy medium that has to happen with that discourse to not anoint him this future starter. And it's been the funny thing about Rakitic that he did all this work starring at the World Cup and then people truly do forget about him because it is out of sight, out of mind in our reactive world. And speaking of midfield options, it seems like by the time that we're recording this podcast that Arturo Vidal will be coming from Bayern Munich for less than $30 million is apparently again at, at our note. So we'll I'll go, go through this rather quickly in case things don't come to fruition. But the 31-year-old Chilean midfielder, who's both injury-prone and prone to moments of madness. Adrian Rabiot was the intention, and Frankie de Jong was also going to be a player they were pushing hard for, but due to Ajax getting the next round of the Champions League qualifiers, it seems like that's not going to happen this year. So Arturo Vidal, with all of the youth that we've been talking about, whether it's Arthur or Malcolm or even Lenglet, again, in his early 20s, and all the B players that could make the bench and feature like we've finally been pining for, for Valverde this season, Arturo Vidal seems to be the like-for-like replacement for Paulinho. And as good as Paulinho was, I mean, Vidal has never done or never shown anything other than being injury-prone and, and, and again, prone to some rash tackles. He's never shown that he is not a player of enough quality to be a fourth or fifth midfielder. I I mean, is he... My argument would immediately be, is he the best fourth or fifth midfielder in the world? At, at this point, I mean, I, all I can say is I'm, I think we're all a little baffled by it. We were all baffled by Paulinho when it happened. Um, and I think, in, of course, he made us all believers, right? And we were all believers. It didn't take too long. Uh, will that happen again? I have no idea with him. That's one of those, one of those players, if he stays healthy... If he's okay with the, uh, playing this type of role and coming in, and uh, maybe it's just really this is this is Valverde loves this box to box midfielder, and uh, from what I hear, again I don't know how true it is that 
again, it wasn't his decision. It was the, they say it was the club's decision uh, to to get rid of Paulinho and take that profit that they got sending them back to China. Um, that maybe he really wanted that. He wanted that back, and this is this is how he, this is how he gets Paulinho back. I don't know. Yeah, well, he did make us all believers. That's that's a, a, a point, and I think the other thing that I've been mulling over when it comes to a signing like Vidal that. You, we always pine for a certain profile that that defines the Barcelona brand, and there are good things to having a brand, having a style of play, and there is an appreciation. It comes down to why we have picked this club that's thousands of miles away to give our hearts to and to dedicate all of this time watching and to loving as much as we do. That's because we know that we're going to get a certain product, and so these kind of players, like Vidal, like a Paulinho, are not those kind of players, so you feel a little spurned that it's not what you're signing up for. And you kind of have to question, do, do you just love the way that they're playing, or do you actually love the club itself? Because in today's modern game, and I, I, not to credit Real Madrid for their Champions League wins, but to a point, to play in La Liga, it takes that consistency, it takes that style, and Barcelona clearly have that. That is not going anywhere. That's why they win La Liga year after year after year, because they have their style, they have their players that play a certain way, and their systems are set up not to fail, and they do it expertly. And then on the other hand, though, you have that those Champions League matches, and you have these one-off big matches against other opponents like Man City's, like PSG's, that are game planning, game planning specifically for you. So to survive the Champions League, which is something that Lionel Messi has even said that he's, he's looking after this season and they want to have more success there this coming year after winning in 2015, that you have to be able to play many, many different ways and you have to have players that fit profiles that are good against opposition. And so having the Paulinho's and the Vidal's as options in your squad allow you to do different things. And I think, unfortunately, that is modern football. As dominating as the Xavi and Iniesta years were, that's because they were the best who ever played at those positions. And so they're able to do things that you cannot replace. And so the way to replace that is to be able to play different things, I mean, or to play different ways, rather. And, and that's what a signing like Vidal does. So I would say that people are not liking it, but if you get him for less than $25 million, it's a good deal, full stop. Yeah, I mean, the, the depth, it's all about depth. Uh, we saw that. Uh, we didn't have the depth. Valverde didn't trust our depth. And so our guys and everybody will argue different different reasons. Uh, they got, I feel they got burned out. Uh, they got they played way too many first-team you know first team matches with the Copa run in January and February. And by the time we got the Champions League, it was, there was no more you know, gas in the tank. Um, again, there was no way to go to, to the bench and get the players that we needed and maybe this is it uh, and, and again but now hopefully can stay healthy and provide that depth that we're looking for so some other housekeeping to do Musa Wagwe and, and a pronunciation pending I'm looking all over and that's how they said it in the World Cup so that's how I'm going to say it here until further notice but he played in Belgium on loan last season and the 19 year old Senegalese starting right back at the World Cup for Senegal playing in that group we saw him against Colombia we saw him do well against Japan and with the injury to Matteo Mori who, again, we give our sincerest good luck. He has a torn meniscus in his knee, so he'll be out for a few months. Mori was a guy that I thought was going to be the starter. Well, he was already basically christened the incumbent starter for Barcelona B, having made the jump from Juvino A. And you look at what he's been doing with the Spain youth squads. For me, Mori is the right back for the future, but unfortunately, meniscus injuries can be tough, and hopefully this doesn't derail him. That said, it seems like even with Mori, before he got hurt, this Wagway 
deal was going to get done. And now he's going to be the starting right back for Barca B. And they think that he's good enough to potentially even break in and make the bench be the backup for Nelson Semedo, which was allows Sergio Roberto to stay in the midfield. But as we've seen a lot of times, he's going to be playing at a low level with the Barcelona B in the third tier. So it'll be a long game. And I do immediately, though, with the talent that he's shown, particularly as a starter at the World Cup, which is a whole lot more than you can say for the rest of the Barca B players, you saw a bunch of the other ones being Jorge Cuenca, Ricky Pooch, and Abo Ruiz. Those are the three that I want to highlight more so than the rest, who, again, are still growing, if you will. But Ruiz, Pooch, and Cuenca are the three, a defender, a midfielder, and a forward, that are being, uh, that are kind of showcasing that they do have that potential But for me, Cuenca and Ruiz, particularly against Roma, really, really struggled. And Pooch has been just about as good as we knew that he... He at least has confirmed our bias that he's very, very good. And all three, while they aren't ready for the first team, I want to get your impressions having seen them close up. Because for me, on a a screen at the Rose Bowl, having to watch these on a tiny TV with a huge high camera angle, Cuenca just didn't seem to work out against Chumi. And I want to defend him a little bit because that was a point where Roma, being an Italian club with Italy not in the World Cup, still was playing a lot of their first team players. So for a teenager in Cuenca to have to go against up the likes for at least a few minutes of Ed and Dzeko is easier said than done. Same thing with Abouiz on the other side going against some of those big experienced defenders that Barcelona first team had trouble with in the Champions League. But again, still not necessarily overtly impressive from at least two of the three, and Pooch for me was just about as good as we expected. Yeah, Pooch, Pooch was the, the, the big standout excitement. You know, he's got the, the baby face. Uh, he, of course, he's wearing the number eight, and you're just like, everyone's loving that. Um, you know, it took a while for everyone to think, figure out that you say it's not Puig, it's Pooch. So that was uh, that took a, that took a little bit. Once you got past that, it was just like, he's got the shirt tucked in. Uh, so he's got this, you know, it, it, it really looks like a boy, right? Out, out there, he might, might might as well be 12. But he really, I mean, everyone's like, he's taking on Erickson and Christian Erickson, and he was he just looked good. Overall, he looked good out there. When you look at some of these other, the Barca B players that were, you know, you know that were out there, uh, Ruiz, I mean, I was just, I was disappointed. I mean, he was, he had opportunities right on goal, missed them, you know, totally could have changed the game. Uh, you know, Cuenca uh, again didn't see uh, any po- pauses there. Balu, he had some moments. Obviously, he had the moment where he set up the, uh, he, you know, he, he danced around the box and recovered the ball enough to get it crossed over to uh, Malcolm. So again, you know, big kudos on the assist there. Um, and then the, the other one was the, the back and forth battle between between uh, Cucurella, uh, and um, and Miranda. And so he saw a lot of positives there, but again don't know necessarily uh, are they really uh, as good as uh, what we lost with Digne. Um But again, definitely some positive. I, I think I, I, I like what I saw from Cucurella. Uh, I definitely like what I saw from him. Um, again, he also, he had a, he, he was also one of the guys uh, that was part of the problem uh, where we got, we lost that first goal against Roma. Uh, he was the first man. He, cl- he went to close down uh, Florenzi. Instead, he should have stayed back and defended uh, so, you know, again, it's preseason. I'm not going to hold it uh, against them. But, again, at this point, we've got a spot open on that left back. And one of those two if, uh, needs this win. We're really going to need to rely on to step up, um, and we'll see, what, we'll see who that is. That's a question from James as we transition directly into the Ronda. So we'll speed up the pace a little bit here as James asks, 
between what we've seen from Kukurea and Miranda, should we be worried about a long-term injury to Alba? And the belief already is that Kukurea is going to be the backup. Miranda, it's better for his development to get a full season at Barcelona B, just playing consistently. And we know that Miranda, long-term, unless something happens with an injury to him or if, if his development is curtailed in any way, that he's going to be the incumbent starter years down the road. That said, Kukurea is exactly the player that he was. He is almost a Jordi Alba 2.0, but obviously with a lot less experience and without the same kind of quality and timing, if you will. He has the same speed and physical tools, but he just doesn't have the same timing. And that said, I think if Kukurea does struggle to the degree that it looks like he even might, if the preseason is any indication, January will be the time that Barcelona bring in a left back. And that's the kind of thing where finding a backup left back in another one of these big clubs and making a move in January is a lot easier than trying to make uh, get a player like a midfielder that's going or a young forward like a Dembele or a Malcolm who's going to have to transition and take time to incorporate getting a left back and uh, particularly a defensive left back as the backup and just kind of plugging them in there is one of the easier positions to try to rectify in January. Now, Kukurela, I mean, I definitely uh, agree. I want to see him do well. I saw some nice things from him from a defensive maneuvers. uh, And I think it was, I was taking some notes here in the 43rd. Uh, he had a nice defensive maneuver in the box against Clevert uh, and was able to defend and get that ball back from a, what looked like a pretty scary moment there. Um, and so nice some nice defending. But again, uh, there was some good, there was some bad. But again, um, I, I'm hoping that this gives him, uh, we'll see how things go here in, in the Bay Area. And maybe again, he'll get another, another chance to shine. So questions from both Shariar and Soham asking about the Dembele situation that we kind of covered already in the Grand Pagunta, but I just want to even hit on it a little more that for me watching him against France, particularly in the in the lead up to the World Cup, Dembele, even though he's left footed, as is Malcolm, Dembele seems to be just as dangerous on the left side. And for his ability to counterattack, that is what modern football is. And so both of these guys have a place with Barcelona. If you have both on the left side and the right side, potentially, depending on what the situation is, and again, Luis Suarez at his age probably shouldn't be playing 75% of the matches that he that he is currently playing, right? So having a front three even of Messi in the middle with Dembele and Malcolm out on the wings, I think all of that is possible because both Malcolm and Dembele being left-footed can either play and continue to stay out wide, or they can be on the right, and then they cut in and use their left foot. Oh, I totally agree. I, I think uh, the two of them, the versatility, like I said earlier, uh, is going to be exciting to see. I hope they they both can equally get the minutes. Uh, the last thing I want to see is uh, the kind of this competition back and forth, where one player doesn't feel like they're you know, especially someone like Dembele. I mean, we paid 150 million euros, whatever it was, for him, and so when you spend that kind of money. Uh, nobody wants to see him unhappy at this point, you know, with that kind of price. Questions from Zach and Deb Deep. And we've, again, also kind of answered this already. Which youth players have impressed enough to get time with the first team this season? And going into the preseason and now where we are with just one match left, depending on when you're listening to this, I don't think things have changed. I think Pooch, if he's finding his form at Barcelona B, should be making the bench. But with a deep midfield that we keep talking about, I don't think he's going to get too many minutes. Abra Ruiz, with a long-term injury to Luis Suarez, or if Munir isn't firing, should be able to play his way 
to the first team bench, but again, he hasn't shown that. Cuenca the same way. If Vermillion and Marlon Santos and Mina all leave the club, Cuenca would have a role potentially as a fourth center back, but again, he has not shown enough. And you talk about Miranda and Kukurea, that's an interesting that is an interesting fight at left back. Mori was the right back that I had picked for some bench minutes, but with the torn meniscus, he's got a long recovery. Now, for me, other than that, I mean, Manchu has been pretty decent, and same thing with Alex Callado, but they were both overrun completely by Roma, and Balotabla, as you talked about, with that wing depth of Dembele and Malcolm, he seems a, a little bit redundant, at least at this point, and again, all those guys will be getting a lot of minutes with Barcelona B in the third tier, which is a level that they should be succeeding at, and they should be doing well. So I don't really think the uh, things have changed too much with the youth players that could make the first team bench. If anything, a lot of them have even shown that they have farther to go than we first expected at the beginning of preseason. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you on that. And when I look at some of these players, there's really not a, lot, a big standout. I think we already covered that with, with Pooch. I think his uh, the excitement with him, uh, you know, you look at some of these other players that, you know, are playing in this preseason, like, you know, I feel bad for, I'm picking them apart because I was picking them apart. You know, I was watching it over and over again. I'm watching Munchu and I'm like, oh, I feel so bad for the youngster. I mean, he had seven, at the 77th minute, it really was his, he, he, I mean, he had a great hustle to go get a defend a ball and pick up a ball. And then he decided to pass it back, not far enough. And that basically set up the goal for in the 77th. Again, it was him in the 82nd minute decided to lose his guy. You know, it was already a four-on-two situation that we had, and he tried to make it a five-on-two situation, leaving it, leaving basically Roma three-on-two against us, and set up the other goal in the 82nd minute. So, you know, again, I'm picking it picking apart because I'm trying to really look at these Barca B players, you know, who's, who's contributing, who's really struggling out there in these matches uh, at a first-team level, and, uh, you know, poor Manchu just was, it just wasn't his day. So, um, you know, I don't know. I think at this point, um, I think we pretty much covered those varsity players that we think are going to make it. Yeah, and I want to also remind everybody that there is that out-of-sight, out-of-mind adage that while we didn't mention the injuries to Andre Gomes that might affect his transfer out, and Denise Suarez, who now, with his injury, has gone from being a part of the depth options, we were going to put a little more trust in him, and now already he's seems to be out in the wilderness, could even be sent away. And I don't want to forget those guys in the same respect. I also don't want to forget Carlos Alenia and Ora Busquets. Alenia is a member of the first team now, and he's another midfield option that with his long-term injury, if he's able to come back uh, right around November, December, January, find his footing, the second half of the season, he could be really important for when you talk about that rotation that's going to be necessary if you're dealing with all three of the competitions that Barcelona could potentially fight through that Eleni will be a piece of that. And Oro Busquets, when you talk about promise, he's that backup for Busquets, that guy who we've seen him slowly come up through and instills confidence and played for even the first team last year in the Copa del Rey. So I don't want to forget about those two guys because when the answer, when the question of what B-team what B players are going to make the jump, that's one and two, and that's Eleni and Busquets on that list. And so I, I would say do not, do not forget about them if they're able to recover from their injuries properly. They're the ones with the greater, the, the greatest impact on the first team, at least this season, and not just as B-team players, but as first-teamers. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, because Elena is the one player, 
A, I think we were all rooting for last year to, to make that jump to the first team, and not just getting a few call-ups here or there, but absolutely excited for him. Really want to see that recovery uh, from his injury to happen uh, to come back quickly. Uh, same thing with Oreo Busquets. So um, I think we're we've got a lot of midfielders, Dan. I, I don't I don't know what we're going to do with all these midfielders, so, but I, I think we'll we'll soon find out here over the next few weeks. Yeah, I, I certainly named a lot of them, and the whole po- part of the Premier League season transfer window closing before the league, it does make this an interesting, um, an interesting end to this because once that Premier lo- money is gone, it seems like these big transfer, these big transfer uh, fees that we would want to garner, they do kind of dry up a little bit with a lot of the other major powers in world football having already spent a lot of their money. So, again, a lot of these deals, particularly whether it's the Paco Alcacer or Andre Gomez, these have to be finalized before the Premier League window closes, which is very, very soon. So that'll wrap up another edition of La Ronda and another edition of the Barcelona Podcast. Victor, thanks so much for joining us to talk, whether it's Peña, the preseason tour, and this is a time of the year where everybody's full of hope, everybody's getting ready for the season, and with the Supercopa right around the corner against Sevilla, I'm really glad that you're able to join the show, and I guess we've had you on before, and we could ask, but not only how you would get involved with the Peña, and I know every Peña is different, but could you just, as you give your goodbye, explain to people how they can get involved in Peñas and the, the kind of relationship that they can have with their local Barcelona communities? Yeah, I, one thing I would tell anybody listening to this pod, if, if you're not already connected to your local Peña, uh, go out there and search. Uh, if you need to connect with my, uh, with myself, uh, I'm Victor Valencheck. I think you can find me on Twitter at VAV717. You can uh, find me there. You might be able to find me on... You can actually find uh, our group, the Houston Coulees. That's H-O-U-S-T-O-N-C-U-L-E-S. Uh, you can search for us and you can message me. I'm happy to give you any direction if you like, but search out in your local uh, city there. Find out, is there an actual Pena uh, there? there? There are official Penas like ourselves. Uh, and like New York and like San Francisco. And then there's other supporter groups that are, haven't become official yet, but they've got great presence in their communities like L.A. and San Diego. Uh, you've got smaller groups. I just met a couple guys from Las Vegas, uh, and they showed up in Dallas. They're, they've got about 17 members, right? But go out and start Google searching, get on Facebook, get on social media, and start looking for, you know, search out Pena, search out Barcelona in your city, uh, you know, reach out to some of these other big cities. We'll direct you. Uh, we've got connections uh, with all of the different pages across the country. We know who has groups, and uh, we can get you in the right direction. And we're happy to do so because it's really about uh, when, when the experience is about family, right? But when we the ability to be able to get together week in and week out uh, to uh, again have that camaraderie and have that family feeling um, is is awesome, especially for myself. And I'm hanging out with guys from Austin. I'm hanging out with people that I've never met before in Vegas. And we're, we're all, you know, we're all Kool-Aids. We're all family. We're all friends. So uh, it's very, very cool. And then, of course, then uh, your local Peñas like ourselves are trying to do the good work in the community, uh, uh, which is part of the, the club's, um, you know, what the club's all about. And, you know, we, we raised some money to send a couple kids to soccer camp. Uh, so we're trying to do some good community service efforts. And I know all the groups are have their own initiatives out there so again you can participate uh in those community service projects we have so i'll leave you with that reach out to us uh we're available social media should make it easy for everybody to find and uh again uh we will 
come on out and join us. Uh, I'll speak on behalf of all the Pena's. We want you out there with us. Yeah, very, very well said, Victor. And I was even talking to my wife this morning where we were just saying how toxic sometimes Twitter can be and social media can be in terms of everything is overreactive and people are very negative and even Kool-Aid's a lot of infighting about philosophies and the like. But as she said, in truth, all of this is just about we're around to watch this football team play. That's what we love. That's what we want to do. And that's what's fostered this community. And what better way than to just be around other humans instead of all the, the, the hiding behind the screens is being with other humans and having that sense of community around the team we love. Because, again, that's the, the amount of time and dedication we have. is just about a bunch of guys kicking around a ball. But again, it's what we do. It's why you're listening to the Barcelona Podcast. We want to thank you, the listeners, so much again for another listening to another edition of the podcast. Again, you can find us on social media, and we'd love it if you either gave us a review. We have a Patreon as well. You can follow us on Twitter, on the closed Facebook group, tvpod.link backslash group, or, of course, on our Instagram as well. So again, Victor, thanks for joining me, and thanks for joining and listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Talk to you soon, and Forza Barca. Forza. At Metro, the best deal in wireless is on. Switch to Metro and get one full Amazon Prime membership included every month. Plus, get two free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens. All with two lines for just 90 bucks. That's the best deal in wireless, only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires port and of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. Celebrate amazing savings at your local Sprint store. Now through Sunday, November 17th, you can pick up the new iPad Gen 7 featuring a 10.2-inch Retina display and smart keyboard on us when you add a new line on a qualifying plan. That's right, get the new iPad on us when you add a new line at Sprint. There's never been a better time to switch. Hurry into your local Sprint store now through Sunday, November 17th to learn more. iPad 7 Gen 32 gigabyte, $0 per month after 1917 monthly credit for 24 months credit. Apply within two bills. Requires new line on qualifying plan. If you cancel early, remaining balance due, tax due at sale.